Welcome to episode 22 of the Painting Experience podcast. On the podcast, founder Stuart Cubley explores the potential of the emerging field of process arts and shares inspiration from his ongoing workshops and retreats. Today, we're revisiting a popular talk from a couple years back. In painting and in life, we all have those moments when the harsh inner critic appears. In this episode, Stuart considers the source of this all-too-familiar voice and prescribes a surprising course of action. We all know the experience, and certainly in painting, of the inner critic, and of that persistent and negative voice that is constantly projecting a judgment on our painting that it's not good enough or it's lacking, or there's some part of it that I don't like. Something needs to be changed. I need to get rid of it and start over. Then it can start to extend to other people in the room. Others are doing better than I am. We can start to travel down that road of feeling a failure and feeling insufficient. The painting is insufficient. It's proof of my insufficiency. And so we begin to see that the painting really is a reflection of our own internal process. And this is an important step because if you just take it on the level of the painting, you continue to believe there's something wrong with the painting and that if only you fix the painting, everything would be okay. But it goes much deeper than that because the painting is a reflection. It's a mirror image of our own internal life and the harshness of the inner critic is pointing at something it's revealing something to us if you're willing to take a look at it which is the harshness and the criticalness we have of our concept of ourselves and this deep sense of insecurity and insufficiency that we live with which gets projected on the painting So in a way, the painting process becomes a way of seeing this. And you have to be ready to see this and and willing to see this. In other words, is this something that is of interest to you to see this? Otherwise, it becomes just a bother and, and becomes a struggle that stays only on the level of struggle. But if it's of interest to you, this whole question of the inner critic and and the ramifications of that, and the potential in that, then the painting process has a way forward, has a way in which you can begin to work with this. So, for example, it's not uncommon to come up against the judgment that my painting is ugly. And, of course, I hear this over and over and over again. And there's a certainty behind this. There's a sense of this painting is just an ugly piece of crap or perhaps one area of the painting. Another one is chaos. This painting just, it just doesn't hold together. I mean, it's complete fragmentation. It's, it's just chaotic. It doesn't, nothing fits. There's no sense in it whatsoever. It just is a jumble of meaninglessness. Another, another very strong critical voice. Another one might be This painting is too dark. It's depressing. It's just dragging me down. 
in all of these judgments, there immediately comes to fore the sense to rectify it, to fix it. And if it's too dark, the immediate reaction is to lighten it up. Well, first of all, the immediate reaction might be to any of these judgments is to get rid of it, cover it up, exit out, burn it, tear it off the wall, start over again. In other words, to not have the experience at all. But if you stick with the painting and don't give in to that first impulse, that first reaction, then the impulse comes to fix it, to make it better. All right, so it's too dark. I've got to bring light into this painting. It needs, needs to be lightened up. I'm going to put a light color over everything. I'm going to bring yellow in. And it's okay to have a little darkness in this corner here, but I'm going to make sure that I balance it out with uh, the lightness in this other corner and bring in the spiritual. And, and I'm going to save the day. Or if it's ugly, of course, the converse would be to make it pretty, to make it somehow pretty, which, again, might mean covering it up. In some way, it means getting rid of the ugliness and bringing in the prettiness, if that's even possible. And if it's too chaotic, there'll be some way in which to rectify the chaos, to bring order into the chaos, and try to find a way to make sense out of it, to tell a story out of it, to at least salvage some remnant of meaning, which then would disarm the chaos. I think it's really interesting to observe this in the process. If you stay with the painting, these things will come up. And if you've had any experience with this, you realize that they don't work. That they lead to more frustration. They lead to staying in the soup of your own struggle. And they are depressing. They bring about a, a sense of smallness, a blockage of being caught. And so this is important, actually, to come up against this, to see that it doesn't work, that this sort of first impulse and reaction of the mind to make things better doesn't work. And so the potential that exists within the painting process is rather counterintuitive and perhaps rather radical, it seems like, but is to turn you towards it. In other words, for you to actually go towards the offending notion, whether it be ugliness or chaos or darkness or whatever, to actually go towards it, which means to invite it, to inhabit it, to engage it, to bring it on, to make it worse. Can you make it worse? And so if the painting is too ugly, I'll often say, could you make it uglier? And of course, the first reaction is, what, are you kidding me? I hate this thing. It's just too ugly. Why would I want to make it uglier? But if you'll notice, if you look internally at that moment when that question is presented to you, a door opens. And you'll find that the brush knows how to make it uglier. And not only does the brush know how to make it uglier, but the energy actually gets a little excited about making it uglier. It'd be, it's easy to make it uglier. There's an immediate sense of release. And you say, oh, well, I could, I could make it uglier, no problem. 
and we kind of want to uh, slough it off, but no. The fact is it would be easy and, and actually kind of fun to make it uglier. And the same with chaos. Could you make it more chaotic? And you'll find that, oh yeah, <laughs> no problem. I mean, this thing is just totally chaotic. I could make it more chaotic easily. Again, it's easy. And a door opens, and there's some energy there to make it more chaotic. And the same with the darkness, or whatever judgment that is actually coming up at that moment. Because the key here is that the problem is our lack of attention. When you are rejecting something, you're keeping it at arm's length. There's no surface area applied to it. There's no attention given to it. There's no inquiry brought to that moment. It's all about rejecting, getting better, getting rid of, overcoming, starting new. There's no entry into the actual experience. And so by entering the experience, by exaggerating what seems wrong, by increasing the feeling, by going towards the feeling, by inhabiting the experience, by bringing your attention into the experience, something magic happens. And this is very difficult to describe. You have to experience it, but it's a transformation. That after a few brush strokes of making this painting uglier, we start to breathe. The energy shifts. The brush is working on its own. There's no more struggle and strangely enough, we start to like it. The judgment dissipates and we find, wow, this is kind of cool. Look how ugly this is getting. Look at this dark colors that I'm using. I thought that I didn't like them, but this is getting really kind of mysterious and interesting and deep. And the chaos starts to feel good in the body. You find that the arm loves making more chaos. There's a quality that starts coming into the painting, and when you look at it, you start to feel it, and you realize that there's an internal order that's taking place. The painting may look disordered, but there's a harmony now that wasn't there before in the actual act of painting it, which is a kind of order. And so all of these are examples of what it means to inhabit your experience, to turn towards your experience to use the tool of exaggerating that which you find objectionable brings the attention more deeply into the actual experience and you find that it was your keeping yourself at arm's length from the experience which was the problem which was causing the blockage and as soon as you gave surface area to that feeling as soon as you penetrated the feeling through expressing it in this way with painting that the magic happened that the transformation happened and also in a, in a very profound way the sense of insufficiency has disappeared the person who was resisting the painting and judging the painting has dissolved is no longer there that the resistance created the resistor that the judgment created the judge one unitary process and by keeping yourself at arm's length from the experience, you create the isolation of the experiencer and the loneliness of the experiencer and actually the insufficiency of the experiencer.
which is bound to feel insufficiency because it's isolated, it's not connected. This is a profound understanding. The painting process allows a glimpse into something that's happening on a daily basis. It's one of the foundations of consciousness itself, is this act of separation, this creating the duality, and the birth of the self-image of the insufficient one, and the struggle against that, and the constant effort to overcome that, to, to make it better, to, to improve. Whereas the key is actually to turn towards what's actually happening and inhabit it. And when you do that, when you turn towards what's actually happening and you inhabit it, the sense of isolation disappears. The sense of that person removed from the situation is gone. There's a naturalness, there's a natural mind, you might say, that comes into play. That's connected, but it's not self-conscious. So the painting experience is really an environment and a tool with which to explore this question, which is certainly the question that's posed in any deep form of meditation. How do I split myself off? What is the mechanism by which I'm doing that? How do I stop doing that? And I think, interestingly enough, the question of how do I stop doing that cannot be answered on the same level as the question. In other words, there's no technique. You can say, well, making it worse, you know, or inhabiting the experience is kind of a technique, but it doesn't work as a technique. If you apply it as a technique, it's not going to work. It'll become rote. You actually have to find a way to touch that which you are afraid to touch because underneath the rejection is fear. And to touch that fear means to wake up, to be fresh, to not be relying on some sort of formula. And it's going to be different each time. That's the challenge and also the incredible potential that exists within using art as a creative process rather than as a product. You can learn more about the painting experience and find a list of upcoming process painting workshops by visiting our website at www.processarts.com. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. The theme music for this podcast comes from Stefan Jacob. We thank you for listening and hope you'll join us again soon.